even though we're successful now, we're still going to go through ups and downs. That's just life. That's business. Don't worry about that. Everything that you believe in, that you come up with, somebody might say that's whack. Somebody ain't going to believe in it. But if you truly believe, I bet you that you're going to be successful in that. So much money independent, I might buy me some land. Music to my ears when I thumb through these bands. Influencing my peers when I pick up this pen. They like, damn, Uncle Larry done did it again. Today I did the green juice, banana and spinach. Like highway patrol, bitch, I'm chasing these tickets. Had a dream about the bins, woke up and cop. The exhaust on that shit, woke up the block. I don't got too much time, I be working a lot. I got baby in the club, she be twerking a lot. Fuck the radio, bitch, I'd rather play this guac. They had to verify my account, I'm making a lot. They say June fell off, he must be smoking that hop. I just bought that new 2019 off the lot, that's 200. You ain't gotta like my raps, but salute I really made it out of the trap. Quit playing, baby. You gon' make me take that fee. Sending pictures of your money, tryna choose up on me. It's a habit. She already know that I'm a grabber. Meet me out in Vegas next week. It's the mansion. The game keep calling my name. 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 We got together and then her mom is a super baker as well too. So she showed her a couple of recipes and then my girlfriend Samantha she started adding her own twist to it. And at first it was just kind of like like before her mom used to bake a lot and like I was working at Apple before I left there and uh I would take some to to work at times and people started tasting it and then I started selling it. So as soon as we started doing it, we already had like a lot of people that were interested. So Start doing it the first week or two. I would say we had like no less than a hundred orders. It was kind of ridiculous. Uh, we didn't even have a system of when to bake, you know, what, how much, how many supplies we needed, and all that. But after that, a couple weeks after that, we got into a real groove, and uh, it was crazy because the first six, seven months, I would say it, it paid all of our rent, utilities, and bills uh, just off of that. And then we just started doing it as like a side thing. So, but yeah, she's the one who who comes up with the recipes and whatnot. I just really understand like the whole science of like how to bake them for them to come out like a certain way and whatnot. And also too, like I know a lot of people, so I get I get the the customers as well too. She gets a lot of customers too from her job. But when it really kind of like started off, it was it was really me just like hustling and pushing it, you know. That's beautiful. So it was a lot of it was a lot of demand before that actual supply came into existence. Yeah, but the crazy thing is the demand wasn't even known. You know what I mean? People just respect me. So like when her mom used to like do the the cookies and like some of my coworkers used to buy it, they loved the cookies. And then they just respected us. So once we started doing it and we started baking, it was just like everyone wanted to try. And initially we were only doing two flavors. The first month we were only doing chocolate chip and oatmeal raisin. And then we expanded out. We did red velvet, white chocolate chip. We did macadamia. Then we started with specialty flavors as well too. Uh, Captain Crunch, Fruity Pebbles, S'mores, Pumpkin, Double Chocolate Caramel. And then she started making loaves too, like banana bread, lemon blueberry loaf, and a bunch of stuff. It's really just like having fun with it, but it, it just organically grew. 
you know, looking back on it now, like when we first started, we, you know, even how we used to bake the cookies, like the cookies don't even like look the same anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's it's all a part of the process, you know, like we used to sell it initially at $20 and then like certain flavors used to be 22, but then I dropped it to 15 because I was like, okay, well, this will make it easier for people to cop. I even have some people who will just buy the dough itself. Like they'll, they'll freeze it in the cooler and then take it and then I just give them the... <laughs> I give them the instructions to bake it out because one of my friends, he loves the red velvets, but he really likes to eat cookies fresh out of the oven. At w- one time he was like, look, can I can I buy the whole brick from you? And I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's fine. <laughs> but it's literally a brick though. Like I, I, I'm not saying it like <laughs> it's, it's, it's drugs. It's like hardened dough. Like it's yeah, huge no, and it's a brick. Like, my you know, sister so, bakes a lot, so I know exactly what it's looking right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, he he wanted to do it, and I was like, "Well, that that saves us the trouble, like you know, of baking it." So by all means, and like even at the time when I was working for Seventy Two and Sunny, a creative agency, when I first started working there, after like a month or two, they started buying. Uh, how much was it? It was two hundred fifty dollars worth of cookie dough from me every month, every two weeks actually, or something like that, because they would bake it out in the office for the employees. That's dope, man. I'm familiar with 72 and Sunny, and I definitely also see just even like kind of like how, how you guys are promoting the cookies, like that creative, like, I mean, the names from the names of the cookies to like the Young yeah. Jeezy post is definitely that, you know, that creative spin on like on getting the your message out there. So what's your kind of experience in that creative world? I'll go first at the Young Jeezy, right? Because that that's something that, uh, you know, like I, I don't. I, I could be a clown at times, but I take all my actions very serious, right? So, like, growing up, when I was living in Trinidad, my mom, she would make mangoes, right? Green mangoes, cut them up, make it into a chow, add, like, pepper, black pepper, salt, vinegar, and whatnot. And then I would, like, take bags of them to school when I was, like, 10 or 9 years old. I would take, like, 20 bags of them to school and sell them and bring all the money back to my mom, right? This was at 9 years old. And they would sell out. By the time I got into class... Like the kids, like my friends, they already knew how good it was. And of course, you know, you had a little pocket change or whatever case and because course. we went to Catholic school. So, you know, they would they would just bottom out. So like I don't know what it was, but I think when it comes down to it, my mom, she's she's she was always a sh- a seamstress from young. So like seeing her like working on people's like dresses, custom fittings and this and that, like all out of my house, I guess like that naturally influenced me to to kind of be on that same kind of like hustle because my dad is an engineer and uh he was always doing electrical engineering so when i moved up here i remember at the time the year before i left trend that uh young jeezy had uh that's when he had dropped and then what right and then the album had came out the album came out like the year after whatever the case may be and like for some reason like in high school like i went to boys and girls in bed and like it was a bad yeah, school my boy did too yeah yeah it was a bad school like I had, I had homies running around the hallways with guns and stuff. You know, people was getting like shot at, like after class. There's a now. fight. I heard people used to just come right to the classroom, scream, fight. Everybody used to get up. Oh yeah, no, nah, it, was, so it, it was, was like yeah, it was really like that. No one respected yeah. teachers, but I was always super smart, so I was always in the honors class and in, in AP classes. So like a lot of my hood friends, they used to always like tell me like, yo, if you ever have a problem, like we're gonna take care of it because like, let them we know, understand yeah. that you got you got like a bigger purpose or whatever the case may be, right? So, but at the time too, the t-shirts had dropped, right? The young Jeezy t-shirts had dropped, right? So this is this is how crazy it is. They banned the t-shirts from my school because a lot of the gang members they were wearing their colors. 
or whatever the case may be and fighting in the morning over it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that too, my brother he used to uh, buy the, the Smack DVDs, the Smack Tubes. He used Damn, to, we used to live on President <laughs> Notion. Yeah, facts. So we used to live on President Notion, right? I kid you this right now. This is a fun fact, but my brother has the only video up of Gucci Man in my kitchen on YouTube, and it has over 30 million views on it. If you YouTube it right now, you see Akeem Fletcher. That's my older brother. Hey. Right? So uh, he used to... <laughs> Fun fact. He, he used to get... Yeah, so this is the crazy part. He used to get the DVDs, he used to rip them and upload it on YouTube. So, of course, he didn't get no money for it because, you know, he doesn't own the stuff, right? So, like, that's that's the one thing that kind of... But he still has, like, 40K subscribers on his YouTube if he ever wants to, like, sell it or start, like, having people pay for, like, promo or something, right? So... But yeah, all of this, like the whole Jeezy thing, like he was like one of the biggest inspirations for me because like it was all about hustle. Like, you know, it was all about like, yeah, he was talking about trapping this and that. But for him, it was just the hustling and getting to the next point. So at the time when we took those pictures, I had to bake 300 cookies that day. So I'm like, yo, like I remember I put up a picture a couple weeks ago and somebody was like, oh, you should do something called cookies and cuddles because I was laying in bed on my laptop and then. My girl, I took a picture of me, right? But they were being, they, they were just being clowns, right? So I was like, you know what? Let's recreate this cover. Jeezy, the whole phenomenon about his cover was that he had actual millions of dollars behind him. You know what I mean? At which which album is this again? TM101, mm-hmm. the first. So at first, when the guy was like, when the photographer was like, oh, yeah, we're going to put the boxes behind you with fake money. Jeezy was like, no, nah, I'm not putting fake m- money in this. I- I'm going to bring real money. So he, he, he made a call. And like in like twenty minutes, someone bought like two million dollars in cash, and they just Sheesh. put it all in the boxes behind, right? So I was like, you know what? Let me do this cookie twist, and I just put all the cookies on the table, and I, I was acting like I was, you know, like you know, I was finessing deals or whatever the case may be. But him, Fifty Cent, and uh, who else? Lloyd Banks, like those kind of people, Gucci Man, like those those were like heavy influences for me in the beginning. But long story short, let me get back to the. I went off on a tangent. The whole thing about creativity for me, when I first moved up here, I had to pay attention to everything because I moved from a small island. So moving to somewhere that was much smaller, but the population was about triple the amount of people, I had to make sure that I wasn't I wasn't only paying attention to myself, my surroundings, the people around me, but also the history. So like yeah. within that, I used to I used to visit websites like Tudo Boys and Not Right, and that's when music was crazy, right? Like that's, that was the pinnacle. Yeah, that but nah, hot new hip hop was nothing. Hot new hip hop is nothing compared to like Tudor Boys and Nah, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like SK and all coming. those, like those are legends. Like you were going on there every day to see who was dropping what. When currency was dropping projects. a mixtape every month, yeah. yeah, that's facts. You know, so that's really kind of where it came from. And also too, out of high school, I went to NYU. I was doing a mechanical engineering there. So my mind, I think my mind really just had this whole idea of being creative from the jump. But I did that for a couple of years and I couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. So I went to end up doing an internship at Complex. I wrote for their style channel. Then I made my first website and then I made my online art gallery, Digital Madrid. So like shortly after that, I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. If I can market myself, I can market anything. So I went to FID for uh, digital marketing. And then I graduated the week after I had a job with Wilson Chandler. And the week after I was on a plane with him going to Paris for uh, Fashion Week. Man, that seems like a perfect time to stop for a second and uh, and get some intros because <laughs> we didn't haven't even gotten your name out. Oh yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so what's good, y'all? <laughs> Welcome back to You Free, our communal podcast. It's a Zim. You got Eric on the line as always, and who we got joining yep. us today? Uh, my name is Kadeem Fletcher. 
Hope that wasn't too dry for intro, right? <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, that's uh, they're they gonna catch it. I mean, that that build up to the intro was already good money too. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm simple like that. So, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's just been a combination of things, and also too, like I've always like paid attention to streetwear was huge for me, like growing up as well too. I, I was rocking all the ten deeps, the Stussies, uh, all that stuff when I was in like high school, rocking ABC jeans, nudie jeans, boots, yeah, so yeah, I had my first pair of Bapes. Yeah, Kid Cudi actually was when when. He was still working at Bape when I bought my first pair of Bapes. He was the one who actually got my size from out the bat. Yeah. Man, that's how. What? It's crazy. That, I think a lot of that also just speaks to, I mean, just the upbringing, looking and assessing what your mom was doing and how yeah, fact. she was an entrepreneur in her own right. That definitely rubs off. Because I know that when I was younger, I used to like shovel snow, sell bottles of water in the summertime and just really just trying to be active and just figuring out how, how best I can, you know, occupy my time throughout the day and really just essentially like move a product if, if such you know yeah yeah and i think it really comes down to understanding your talents so like exactly. when i was in high school i understood that i was i was knowledgeable i knew these these subjects so i was tutoring three different kids at the same time that's why i was able to save up and buy my first pair of babes you know what i mean like because i was i was really working hard for it like i was tutoring three kids a week it could have been i was getting probably like i think like 45 dollars or 40 dollars for two or three hours but you know, that stacks up as a kid. You know what I'm saying? Of course, yeah. babes were like close to like 300 at that point. But I made sure I saved for like a whole month. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get these flash babes. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was just it was just crazy. And it makes it feel good once you buy something with the money that you for sure. made. You know what I mean? The money that you yeah. actually went out there to build. Because you realize the value of those hours that you're spending. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like what you were, when you were talking through kind of some of your narrative on the creative side, I was definitely thinking like, you seem to be very attuned to this balance of kind of short-term gratification versus long-term planning and like being able to kind of like switch, switch gears a little bit when something is working. But at the same time, like the mentality with which you're approaching these different projects is very much the same and very much attuned to kind of like who you are as a person and, and the experiences that you had before you were even dabbling into new projects. I'm going to say that was probably one of the best breakdowns I've ever heard of someone analyzing me, especially off of, initially like that made a lot of sense because that's how i do approach things with the same discipline but i do know i i I really think i have like this this ability of like foresight so i do know when it comes to like certain things like what gear to kick it into and also too i'm the type of person i like to work smart right so i'm a leo like I, i get i get results really really well but it's like sometimes i could be lazy because i'm like i know like this is super easy for me to do I'm not actually going to like go crazy on it right now because also too, a lot of people don't even like appreciate it for what it is, which is the tough part, right? Because most people are looking like that at that instant gratification and then they're not understanding what longevity is, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember in, in college, one, this, this, this older guy told me once he was like, it takes 10 years to make a champion. And even once you get to that 10 years, you have to start over again because now you have to reinvent yourself. Mm, that's a part. No, that makes sense. And I think that as, I mean, you're thinking about it the proper way and just like how best can we utilize our creative talents, our hard work in order to leave somewhat of that legacy and that impact. Yeah, facts. And also, too, you don't want to expend all your energy and then you're sitting here and you can't enjoy anything that you got because you don't work yourself into the ground. You know, that, that balance is definitely important. I, Zim and I speak about this a lot, just 
working smart instead of just being proactive instead of reactive. And I think that once yeah. you once you're reactive to a lot of situations or reactive to possible projects that may come your way, that's when a lot of that that high stress comes into play. Where you really right. lose that sense of enjoyment, you know, lose that sense of creativity with something that you may have once loved. It's all about being overprepared. Yeah, man. And the challenge that I have personally is like a lot of times comes down to adaptability with like well, I mean, so I did like this thing called Strengths Finder, where you where you find out kind of what your top five strengths are, and it helped a lot, kind of on the professional path. Um, but it was funny because one of my top five strengths was futuristic, so like kind of this vision aspect, and then my, one of my other five was adaptability, <laughs> so being able to change shit up in the moment. And yeah. I feel like that push and pull is tough a lot of times in the moment where you're like, man, like I probably should get this done right now because I need to check this off of the, the to-do list or whatever. But at the same time, like I'm really trying to plant these seeds that I know are going to sprout, you know, six months from now. That's what's kind of tr- right. truer to what I want to do long-term. And that's kind of truer to who I am, but that that, might, that doesn't necessarily pay the bill that I got to pay this month. And I, the way I've been approaching it is kind of just on a case by case basis, you know, just kind of trying to like trust my instinct and going with like, nah, like I really want to work on this right now. Like I got to put this, this other stuff to the side because I really got to work on this long-term plan right now versus like nah if I, I can't even work on this because i'm my guilty conscience is gonna be telling me yo like how are you paying <laughs> how are you gonna uh, <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah it's, it's tough kind of finding that balance so it's dope to eat that that's something that you feel like you're stronger yeah and i, I think like I, I feel like when people are pure and they understand kind of what they do like even naturally you'll you'll do these things right like you'll sit here and say oh well i hope this pops but then you'll do an entire year working towards that, right? And setting that seed and planting that seed. That's like this entire year for us. Like, so I cook, I cook a lot, right? So one of my friends last December, he challenged me to, to basically, well, I had told him about this idea of having people over and us doing like this curated dinner experience. And I started in January where we provide an appetizer, entree and a dessert. And uh, we've done it at least once a month. And because we we got into that groove and we built that foundation with people, like that's why we started working on the cookbook. And now the cookbook is almost eighty five percent done. It's just really about being, you know, firm in your discipline and understanding like how much bigger the picture actually is. Exactly. And then also from what you're saying too, if you're that consistent too, the results are going to show. Right. So with that consistency, is that also essentially? I mean, looping back to the way you were. I guess like marketing some of the cookie elements when you said also how you look to Jeezy for inspiration and 50, I understand it was like that hard work and grit and that consistency, but what else about those artists sort of to speak to you, some of your skills and attributes you think? I think when it comes down to it, I, one of the, the, the greatest things I hope I attain is the, the ability to transcend and that's to be able to live not only now, but you know, forever and also to kind of like be at the at the bridge of, of something new, right? And it's mm. it's like all those people at the time, they got themselves out of their situation, but they provided so much inspiration. They provided blueprints for a lot of people. They like did. you know, like you can listen to a TM one oh one or get rich little and like all the way through, no matter what year, what day, it's still a classic. Like, you know, music is not the same like how it is now. Like back then, like you get a new album every three years and you know when that album drops, it's going to be something crazy, right? So it's just, I don't know. I feel like those those people, like because it wasn't a lot of people doing what they were doing, they were able to take that time to now craft something that was a masterpiece. 
you know, back then there was only a couple people who were trapping or whatever the case may be, T.I., Gucci Man, Young Jeezy, but it wasn't nothing anything crazy where it was super mainstream. Were you uh, were you a big hip-hop fan before your move, or was, or was that something that you picked up once you got into New York? No, I was a big hip-hop fan before as well, too. I think also because when, when you come from an island like that, you know, a lot of people on that island, like, they look towards the U.S. for a lot of inspiration, and you know, as time has grown on, like I've I've realized that the inspiration from my island is just as strong as that of a, a whole continent. You know, so yeah. But I, I was definitely a hip hop fan before. It was just once I got up here, it was just it was different. Like we started, like you know, people saw that interview of Shea Davis recently. We were watching him on Smack DVD. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So so it's like it's like different. But I, I started to see everything for what it was. That's dope. How uh, how often do you go back there? I went back last year. Last year was the first time I've been back in 13 years, but I plan on going back next year. Oh, wow. That's dope. Yeah. How, uh, how did it compare to your memories of your experience there? I'll say this. I was in 6'3 when I was 12 years old, so, <laughs> so everything seemed miniature to me. Like, I was walking in houses, and, like, the cabinets were, were at my eyesight, you know, like, before I had to freaking, like, climb on a chair and stuff. So that was, that was like, the biggest thing for me, and also some of my cousins who were, like, babies at the time when I left. They're like grown now, like 16 years old, that kind of stuff. So it was good to see that whole like, it's like time traveling almost when you stay away from something like that for so long and then you go back. Like it's entirely different after like a decade. So, but it was super refreshing, super refreshing. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's interesting that you say that too. Like you've learned, I guess like being on an island, you're looking towards the US for inspiration. And then now that you've been here for some time, realize a lot of the lesson that you've learned while there. Like, I'm from Brooklyn, you know, I'm from New York, so it's like I've, things feel a little bit too busy all the time, and I try to find situation opportunities to have some of that, I guess, like, quiet time for reflection, you know? Yeah. And when thinking about Island, like, Trinidad, do you think that it's a situation where, like, the lesson that you've learned, is it, are people just, like, living in the moment more, or, like, where do some of those reflections come from? I think it just comes from natural maturation you know like as you grow older you start to see like you start to see everything that was kind of like that was a part of your foundation like even when i was saying about my mom and how she was a seamstress like and like seeing how i was in trinidad and my friends and like the culture like like i never i never disliked my culture i, was, I always loved it but as you grow older too you you grow a different sense of like pride and understanding it's just like this euphoria moment where it's kind of like like, yeah, that's that's where I'm from, and I'm glad to be from here. I, I really kind of live two, two, two lifelines because I, I, I grew up there, and then I came up here when I, when I turned 13, and then I've been up here since then. So it was just kind of like, you know, like two different spaces. But it was it's intriguing because now I think I possess the best of both worlds. It's like I, I'm going to see things from, yeah, like a small bird's eye view, and then now from like a worldly, all-encompassing like view. You know, so it's, I don't know, it's just, I think it's really just you get older, you reflect, and then, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if people, I'll say that they live in the moment more down there. I, I feel like people live in the moment more up here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it's just more so kind of like a lot more like family-oriented. Everything kind of like feels together almost in a case in Trinidad, where over here it's like, so many different personalities, so many different walks of life, this and that. Don't get me wrong. There's Chinese people, white people, Indian people, everything in Trinidad. But 
it just feels a little bit different when you're on the island. Because in that, even at age 18, like those memories are still there, you know, and that formation of that sense of self. Yeah, for sure. Or like right at the beginning of it, you know? Yeah. And then 13 to me was like the perfect age for me to move up here. My brother was two years older and my sister was four years older. So, yeah, basically my parents waited for my sister to finish secondary school in Trinidad, which is high school up here. And then they got us, they brought us all up mm. at that time. And she's now a dentist. Yeah, she she's a dentist in uh, uh, by Wall Street in Manhattan. That's dope. See, that's a good come on. Eat these cookies and then in a couple months or a couple <laughs> years, if you like them too much, see, see the fan for the dentist. That works well. That's my whole MO, real talk. <laughs> she, be, she, be buying, she be buying cookies for, she, she gets her office to buy cookies for like their office parties and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to definitely need that info too. Hell yeah. Um, being in New York sometimes, it does feel like you're smack down in the middle of that rat race. So then when needing those moments to travel and get away, it comes back down to like centering and refocusing yourself, you know? Yeah. I think also too, you find those elements of things that kind of bring you that peace. So for like me, cooking brings me a peace beyond like just being able to feed myself, but I love to have people over. I love to have them nourished. I love to, to see them enjoy a good meal. Uh, and I think it's the same thing with my girlfriend. She She's able to now hold something that her mom holds there to her as well, too, with the bacon and also see how that, you know, influences people. And also, too, like the whole conversations that we have with other people as well, too, when they come over and whatnot. So I think it's I think it's really about really taking the time to find your own peace and to find the individual things that you love and you want to hold there to yourself and not get caught up too much in the trends and the lights, because that's what people, that's where people go wrong. They, they start looking at other people, they compare their situations and all these different things. And then they're ending up their life now is now looking like a, like they're molding it to be something that it shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, I think what's dope too is like, you talk about you with your mom earlier and then your girlfriend with her, her mom is like, I feel like this part of it is, is carving your own identity, but then also part of it is like continuing what your family did before you, even if what your family did before you, like, I don't want to, obviously like there's different family situations out there. So I don't want to speak for everyone, yeah. at least in like, in kind of the case of what, what you were saying earlier, I feel like there's something dope about sort of like bringing your new light, but it's not entirely new, right? Like it's like continuing from the people that birthed you and like from the roots and beginnings that like you were saying earlier. So there's something like really beautiful about like the uniqueness of that, but also like the tradition in that at the same time. Yeah. And, and, you know, from your parents, you gain tangible and intangible things, right? So my dad, one of the biggest things I learned from him was discipline. Now, him and I, our birthdays are separated by a couple of weeks where Leo's legit the same people. Like, I love my dad to death. We're legit the same person, right? And like, one of the greatest lessons I ever heard him say was that, you know, to, to you know, a lot of people say save for a rainy day, but he told me from very young to save for a rainy year. And his whole concept Ooh. with that was... Now you start, you take that mentality with everything that you do and you over-prepare. So if you're saving money for a couple of months, like of rent, save for two years. So if you fall down, like you'll still have a lot of cushion to make sure that you could bounce right back up. You know what I mean? So that's also one of the good things why I was, I've been able to, since I haven't been like technically working since, uh, since May, I, I haven't really taken much of a hit because I knew maybe I knew at some point in my life this this would probably happen and I was just preparing myself for it so you know and also with my mom it's like that intangible thing of 
she passed on cooking to me because I was never in the kitchen with her watching her what she did. Like, I would come into the kitchen and get my plate. But somehow now, like, my godmother would call her and say, oh, how did he learn how to cook? And my mom would be like, I don't know, because he wasn't in the kitchen with me. You know what I mean? But it's just certain things that are passed on through energy. And that's how you got to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to use that one. Don't save for a rainy day. Save for a rainy year. Because a lot of it does. That's Yeah, a lot of that does come from just proper planning and preparation. So you can make those steps to then bet on yourself, right? Right, 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 right. That's like how the rappers used to say, stack or starve. You know what I mean? Because if you don't don't stack it, you know, what happens when it it stops covering? You can't eat no more. You know, so, but yeah, that's that's one thing with me. Like, it's, it's always kind of like, I got to be over prepared. If I need 5K for this, I'm looking at it it's like, I need 15 to 20. All about discipline. America got a thing for this gangsta shit. They love me. Black chuckers, black scully, leather pele pele. I take spit over rainbow shit. I'm a fan dude, got that silver duct tape on my tray handle. The women in my life bring confusion to shit. So like Nino and New Jack, I'll cancel that if look at me. This is the life I chose, niggas around me so cold Man, my heart gun froze, I build an empire on the load And ox don't know, I'm the weatherman I take that cocoa leaf and make that snow Sit back, watch it turn the dough, watch it go out the door O after O, you know Homie, I'm just triple beam, dreaming Niggas be scheming, I finna live the good life The fiends are just feeling Conceal my weapon, nice and neat, so you can't see The penitentiary is definitely out the question for me I want to find a thing to save my life so I hustle, hustle Nigga, you get in my way while I'm trying to get mine And I buck you, buck you I don't care who you run with or where you from Nigga, fuck you, fuck you I want to find the things in my life yeah. I don't know shit about gymnastics, I summer saw bricks Black talent start flying, when a nigga flip I cook crack in the microwave, niggas can't fuck with me Man, my Cody's, call me Chef Boy, all 50 Check my logic, smokers don't like seeds and they weird shit Send me them seeds, I grow what they need They make chia pet plants in the crib that's chronic And I'm selling them for 500 a pop, goddammit I sell anything, I'm a hustler, I know how to grind Step on bricks, put it in water and tell you it's wine If you analyze me what you will find is the DNA of a crook And what goes on in my mind is contagious Hypnotic, it sounds melodic If rap was the block or spot, I'd be that potent product Now get a load of me, flashy, far from low-key And you can locate me wherever that dope be getting money, man I want to find a thing that's in my life So I hustle, hustle Nigga, you get in my way while I'm trying to get mine And I buck you, buck you I don't care who you run with or where you from Fuck you, fuck you I want to find the things in my life so I hustle, hustle. It's a hustler's ambition. Close your eyes, listen, see my vision. Mossberg pumping, shotgun dumping. The drama means nothing. It's part of the game. Catch me in the coupe, switching lanes, or in the jeweler, switching chains. I upgrade from 30 BS to clean BS. Rocks that I cop with proceeds from the spot. I got the energy to win. I'm full of adrenaline. Play the curve and get nauseous. Watching the spin and spin. I made plans to make it a prisoner of the state. Now I can invite your ass out to my estate Them hollow tips bent me up, but I'm back in shape Pour Cristal in the blender, make a protein shake I'm like the East Coast, number one playboy B You have to tell you he ain't got shit on me The feds watch me, icy, they can't stop me Racist, pointing at me, looking nigga Rachi Hello I want to find a thing in my life So I hustle, hustle 